What's up, everyone? Today on the podcast, I'm bringing in Jordan Smith, no Dave Metz, and this week we're going to break down BYU and Oregon, BYU and Wyoming a little bit, and of course the big news of the week in the world of BYU, that transfer portal news with Dallin Holker leaving the program. So without further ado, let's get right into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Matt Baimonte podcast. And uh, I was going to call this uh, weekly meeting, uh, Jordan, uh, two tall guys and me. Because <laughs> you and uh, you and Dave Madsen are, are significantly taller than me. But right now, it's just one tall guy and me. So <laughs> Dave Madsen may join here in a little bit. Um, look, he's a dad of four. You're a dad of three. Stuff happens. We get it. But at the same time, Dave, so much has happened since the last time we talked that we couldn't wait another minute before breaking down the Oregon loss, uh, maybe talking about what we want to see in the next game against Wyoming, which is, I still think BYU should win that one easily, but there's a lot that I'll be keeping an eye on. But then we also talk about the most relevant news of the week, right? Oh, for sure. We definitely have to talk about the most recent transfer portal news. Dallin Holker is that man. So give me your – it's a two-part question, and you know that I hate those, but I want to give me your initial thoughts besides shock because I think everyone and their dog was shocked. This is not a normal thing for someone to be a starting caliber player on a team and then three games in leave. Like that's, that's even new for transfer portal standards. Um, maybe not new, but it's certainly rare. So what were your initial thoughts besides shock? And then also, what do you make of this situation? Uh, so my initial thought was actually, is this some kind of ploy to get more? Is this a call for attention that maybe, you know, cooler heads can find some reason here and change this? Like, is this him? I'm not getting enough catches. I'm going to make a big scene right now and then maybe BYU will cave and start giving me the ball more. Um, but by all accounts, that's not the case. It seems like this is a very serious thing that he's, he's ready to leave. Ready um, to leave. I was in practice gone. yesterday. He was not there. So he is gone. He is not practicing with the team right now, but now that can change, right? Because he's enrolled in class and he's going to finish out the semester but um, it's not a situation that he's working through. He is literally gone from the program right now. Right. That's correct. And uh, as far as what I make of all of it, I mean, it's hard to lose a player, especially if the rumor is true that he's going to end up at Utah. I mean, that is definitely a blow. But he's, he's never been a player in games that's, you know, really stood out. He's – in general, it's more of a player you hear during spring ball and fall camp. Oh, Holker is excelling. He's, you know, he's a great athlete. He's really showing up. But in, in game situation, he was outshined by Rex. And I mean, this season, I'm sure. I mean, Jaron Hall spreads the ball around. If if Holker was open, I haven't gone back and reviewed the tape or anything like that. This is just my opinion here. But if if he was really getting open and making plays, Jaron's not the type of a quarterback that's going to deny him the ball. So I feel like we have. 
depth that position. I feel like uh, Mason Wake can get a few more touches. Love Isaac Rex and all that he does. Hope that he continues to get healthy off that awful, awful injury. But it sucks losing to our rival. But at the end of the day, I'm not super heartbroken over it. It's just more shocking, like you said, because he's a starting caliber player. And this doesn't typically happen. But I, I don't feel like it's going to affect the team in a, any major way. You said some really interesting things that I want to get to. Um, I don't even know where to start. Um, maybe we'll just quickly say, why is Utah the destination? Because his wife is still an athlete at BYU. So that's – that's. I feel like that obviously limits where he's going to go. You're not just going to up and go to Baylor – your wife high and draw uh, high and dry unless she transfers with you and early indications have been um you know she wants to stay at BYU so if she does indeed want to stay at BYU there's only really one place that he can go and that's Utah Utah State's even too far away for that you can't like live in Draper and somebody commute to Logan and another commute to Provo like it's not Realistic. So I think that's where the Utah thing's coming from. And I think also, if it is truly indeed about targets, catches, production, Utah is also fit because they're tight end heavy right now. They, they don't have great production at wide receiver, but they have great production at the tight end spot. So that's why the rumor is Utah. Um, he hasn't come out and said Utah. It's just – I think people are putting two and two together here that his wife is not graduated from BYU. And, you know, unless she changes her mind, I, she doesn't have a gripe with BYU, right? So, <laughs> right, exactly. So there's that. I love the point that you made because I've given us a lot of thought for the past two days. I love the point that you made, Jordan, and I'm glad you brought it up, where you said, Sharon Hall is not the type of quarterback to not get you the ball if he's not open. I think that is such a a valuable point. Chase Roberts leads the team in targets, and it's actually by a pretty wide margin. He has over 25 targets through three games from Jaron Hall. And I felt like there was a moment in that Baylor game where he felt like Chase Roberts is on another level than everyone else. And I'm going to keep going back to him and back to him. He wasn't targeted as much in the Oregon game because I think they kind of game planned him out of the game. Right. But – to your point, like Jaron Hall realized, hey, Chase is the Chase is the dog tonight against Baylor. I'm going to keep going to him. So the reason I bring that up is, Allen has been producing at a higher level. I don't think that uh, Jaron Hall wouldn't force him the ball. I just don't think anything we've seen on the field from Dallin Holker these past two years from his mission screams target me ten times a game. So. There's that, and I think this is probably the number one reason he is transferring, and this is where I have a hard time being critical. BYU had a lot of success with double personnel. They just haven't. Like, think about the past three years with Rex, including this year. Like, there just has not been a lot of success with – 12 personnel. There's been a lot more success in the passing game with three wide receivers and one tight end. And that's what they, that's what they adjusted to in the Baylor game. Aaron Roderick said as much that they felt like they were having success with three tight ends 
receivers and one tight end, and that's what they rolled with. Well, when you have two tight ends that are starting caliber, you can't feature one of them if you're only running a predominant, you know, combination of pass plays with one tight end. So that's where I, I don't blame him. Like, well, Rex doesn't go anywhere, and we're not a 12-personnel team. So how am I going to showcase myself to the league? I, I think – but, you know, to wrap up my point, if he had been as good as everyone said he was in full and spring games, I think he'd be getting the ball more. I just – he hasn't popped to me as someone who you got to get him the ball, right? I mean, I feel that way about – and now Chase Roberts, but I don't feel that about anyone else. So – uh, I, I guess fish out my ramble here, Jordan. Is it a blow? Certainly, because he's talented. However, his production on the field, I feel like the potential has always been higher than the production. And so from that perspective, you're not necessarily losing a guy not 40 passes in a single season. Right. I agree with that. <clears throat> yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the team responds. I saw a picture on Twitter today of the tight end group and the fullbacks together. Like, I can't remember who posted, but like, yeah, these are my bro. Yeah. So I, I think that'll band them together. Wish him luck. If it's Hopefully it's not the youths, but I think you laid out the case why it most definitely will be. So. And, you know, with a wife at BYU, things can change, man. Like, we get family involved. That's maybe cooler heads will will prevail here. But either way, I feel like the team still. I don't feel like they will. I just who makes these decisions on a whim. This is significant, especially with a spouse involved. Don't you think? I do. I just crazier things have happened. That's all. I'm not saying it's likely, but I don't think he's coming back. I think he's gone. I think this had been decided in the summer, where. And the coaches say, I'm great, yada, yada, yada. I better have a big role. If I don't, I need to go find one. And I'm not going to criticize them for that. Um, yeah, for sure. I will criticize them for quitting on the team, however, in the middle of the year. That, I think that's the thing where I know he's trying to, to utilize his eligibility and he doesn't want to lose a year. But guess what? He has an extra year because of COVID. So he could play this year and play two more years somewhere else. I just – if you didn't feel like your role was going to be what you wanted it to be, that should have been addressed in the offseason. And if it wasn't to your liking, then you leave. I just – I have no problem with him wanting a bigger role. My only beef is, are you serious, man, in the middle of the year? Yeah, and you wonder if the next team he's on, if those teammates, you know, look at that as like a sign of, yeah, quitting on the team and how they'll view that for sure. Something to watch for. Okay. Last thing on on Holker, because I think this is this conversation we're about to have is related. Do you think the tight ends have been used properly? I think they could have been utilized a little bit more. Um, I think with the wide receivers we have, I think for in between the twenties, I think you gotta utilize those receivers. And then when you get close to the red zone is when we target Rex. Um, it's hard with the injuries, we, injuries we've had at receiver 
not having our full our full team there. With those injuries, yes, I think we probably should have used Holker more. Um, but like I go back to my other point, Hall would have got on the ball. If he was that open, if he was in the right spot, Hall is not going to just like, nope, you're not getting the ball. And right. I just, I think Hall's getting, he, what, he had like eight different receivers in the Baylor game. Like he's totally. spreading the ball around. He's not just zoning in on one person. I know that Roberts has the majority of the catches, but he was also wide open in that game. And that's the majority of his passes came in that Baylor game. So I think we could utilize them a little bit more, but if, if they're open, he'd get in the ball. So I guess that's more of a defense answer, but I guess I'll lean towards we're utilizing them at their capabilities with Rex's injuries. I definitely want to see them more involved. I just, there's a real issue when you have this much talent. That's the thing. When you think about some of the other BYU teams that targeted the tight end often, I think one that comes to mind is the Dennis Pitta group. The Dennis Pitta group, dude, was one great receiver, a great running back, and a great tight end. Yep. And you just you just hit those three over and over and over again. Like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but I don't think anybody that played with Austin Colley, with the exception of maybe Todd Watkins, but that was Colley's freshman year, post-mission Colley. Was there any receiver with Colley that was nearly as good as Gunnar Romney? Or even no. Chase Roberts? No, this is one of the most talented teams on offense we've ever had in my, in my lifetime. Me too. So we're the same age. But I just think that there is so much talent. Distributing the football is not a bad thing. And I, this is the last part I would say is the NFL is not about production, man. I just – if you feel like you if you got to make the league and you got to go somewhere and catch it 60 times, that's not what it's about. And so I hope he realizes that, like – He's on a good BYU team that wins 10 games every year he's here, and he's on a lot of ESPN games, and he's blocking well and making highlight real plays, even though he may only finish the year with 30 catches. That's enough to get you in. Like, let me just rip off a couple of tight ends off the top of my head in the NFL, and you tell me where they played college or what they did in college. Where did Travis Kelsey go? No clue. <laughs> Darren Waller? Uh, I don't know. You know where he went? He went to a smaller school, right? Arizona. Uh, yeah. And he never – and Gronkowski – he had like 80 catches. Yeah, you just need to have good film of blocking and ability to catch the ball, and then you win him over in the combine. Like, yeah. That's – So it's – I mean, some I of these know. freaks that are like at Notre Dame, they get noticed because they're 6'8". Oh, for sure. That guy, I know who you're talking about. That guy's a freak. I mean, he's, he'll, I mean, he's going to get noticed for the NFL, but you're the most your tight ends, you're completely right. It's Even Bushman, I think we'd all agree, if he doesn't get hurt in 2020, he's taken in, what, the first five rounds? Yeah, I would, I would bet. Maybe a third, fourth, fifth rounder. He never had a year with more than 50 catches. Right. So this idea that you have to produce in order to – make the league is, is a lie. That's that's not what it's about. Like, Jaron Hall, for heaven's sakes, is being talked about as a first-round quarterback. He hasn't even played a full year. Healthy. <laughs> so, I mean, the NFL is not about 
production. So, but with that being said, I do want to see the tight ends use more, especially in like, you know, where the great example of the Oregon game as we transition to where I think a tight end specific play would have been nice. He's on that fourth and seven on the opening drive. There's not a seven-yard right. tight end play where you can just run a quick out and hit the tight end. How many times did Max Hall hit pit on something like that? I don't over, know, over, 40, over. 50 times throughout their mm-hmm. career. I'm like, that's the play that I do think is missing with the tight ends. Where's the five-yard, six-yard, seven-yard run games not working, dink and dunk with the tight ends? That's, that's where I think we have misutilized the tight ends the most. Right, yeah. Yep, getting those first downs in critical situations, definitely. I would, I would definitely agree with that. What bothered you the most about the Oregon loss? Um, I think it's just anytime we get punched in the mouth, if we come out and we're not the aggressor, it's more than a 75% chance we're going to lose. It happened at Baylor last year. It happened against Boise State at home last year. And then this game against Utah, which, I mean, I'd argue, especially with the rivalry, is as physical as anybody. But we came out. We were the aggressor. We punched him. We put pressure on the quarterback, forced things. That's how we won that game last year, other than Jaron Hall playing great the second half. Um, so we have the capability but from the very get-go, it's just like they're getting five, six, seven yards of pop on the run. Their offensive line is just dominating our defensive line. So I think that's a discouraging thing because it's – I mean, the week before at Baylor, or home versus Baylor, we were aggressive. We played – there was more of a stalemate. Both teams played really aggressive, but we met the challenge. And I don't know if it's due to in- injuries or fatigue or what, but we – just got absolutely destroyed on in the on the trenches. So that was the most disappointing thing for me. For me, it was missed tackle. I just feel like, man, there's seldom an excuse for a missed tackle. Like maybe if you're going up against Reggie Bush and he puts you on skates, that's that's another thing. But there was a lot of missed tackles in the tackle box in particular that I think really bothered me. And then along with that, and you can't scheme for missed tackles because that's just poor execution. But these are the games where I don't like Elisa Tuiaki point to because they were was at the beginning. It wasn't working. Where was the quick adjustment? I just I have yet to see with Tuiaki his initial game plan fails and he's able to quickly pivot to something else. We've seen Aaron Roderick do it. Aaron right. Roderick doesn't have a problem with that. I think Elisa Tuiaki has a problem with it because I think when he prepares for a certain and that scheme, his preparation meets the moment, I think that he's a good defensive coordinator. I just, I don't think he can adjust on the fly. And what we thought we needed to do in that game didn't happen. And I thought it was really interesting, too, that Ben Bywater comes out on 1280, the sports zone, with DJ and PK, and says that they were prepared for stuff on the perimeter, so they had three down linemen, and they got 
punched in the face. And they didn't make an adjustment until halftime. And then Kalani's like, Ben was wrong. It, you know, it wasn't scheme related. And I'm like, I freaking trust Ben over Kalani when it comes to being real about Tuiaki. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was Ben's read on the situation. But I have long felt that our defense is not good at adjusting on the fly. And so I think what bothered me was just, okay, we're getting blasted in the game. Are we going to, are we going to take that away or we're just going to keep getting gouged? And the answer was, we're just going to keep getting gouged. Yeah, that was really frustrating for sure. I mean, the only instance I can think of is, well, you're asking for, quick adjustments. I feel like at halftime there's been a couple games, like for the Virginia game. I feel like adjustments were maybe played much better in the second half, but yeah, overall, I think it's like, if we get punched in the mouth really hard in the first quarter, it's like, okay, we're done. Like, there's just exactly there's nothing we can do here. Yep. Um, and I don't know the depth chart as well as you do. I know we were missing two defensive linemen, so that, I'm sure that plays somewhat of a role. For sure. But you're right. But it doesn't if three it down happen. linemen's not working, put a fourth one in. Like that's not a hard decision to make. So totally, exactly. And we've heard all all year long they feel comfortable with ten guys. So if you're down two, there still should be eight that you can rotate in there. So yeah, halftime adjustments. That's fine. I'm talking about second drive of the game. We're getting gouged in the run. We can't wait until halftime. Because we waited until halftime in this game, and it was almost over. <laughs> so, and even then, in the, in the first drive in the third quarter, they did the same thing. So, the game plan should have been: let's make Bo next beat us with his arm. Let's shut down the run. Let's not let him run. If he carves us up, hats off to him. Uh, that's if it was me. That's what I would have done. I would have. Yes, that's and that's completely. Not, that's not what, that's not what no. they decided to do. They decided to put as many athletes on the field as they can with linebackers and with defensive backs, and they got gouged in the running game, and there was no pivot to it. And the problem is when the run game is working like that, that's when you're able to pop off a 50-yard bomb too. So it's just – I just want to see once, and I would probably be critical, so maybe this is unfair of me to say – but I'd love to see once where in a game we're, we're getting gouged in the run. Can we just stop, load the box? Can we just go seven, eight in the box and just, I don't know, dare him to beat us with the arm, like you said. I just, even if it doesn't work, I would at least like to believe that as a fan, I would say what we were doing wasn't working. We tried something else. That didn't work. But, hey, we tried, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be refreshing for sure. Oh, that's a frustrating loss. That a win there would have put us in the top ten, and you're looking at a really special season. It still has potential to be a great season. We still have a couple of good games going. So, eleven yeah. ones something to balk at, but it's special just... season is not off the table. And I made this argument with Mitch on our on our KSL post game pod. He just he was like, the "Season's over. Doesn't matter what we do. We're going to the Hawaii Bowl. Doesn't matter." I very much believe there is still a New Year's Six in play. I, I, I'm trying to think of a great group of five team off the top of my head, and nothing's coming to mind. I, I just – because there's, there's one at large. There's the best of the group of five. 
which I think actually could be BYU if they're better than a group of five champion. I'd have to double check on that, but I don't think there's a group. You? No, I think Cincinnati lost early. Um, they lost early. Uh, Houston's out because they've lost yeah. twice. They just got beat by Kansas. Uh, UCF's not doing it. Uh, Marshall just lost. They're not doing it. Yeah, it's I mean, probably down maybe, to us in Cincinnati. Maybe, maybe Appalachian State. Probably not, though, right? No, probably. I don't think they'll have the resume after. I mean, they they won that great game. So but... If you go 11-1, and one, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So special special still on the table, but they need to write it. I mean, they need to figure out. I mean, defensively, much to figure out. I think they need to get healthy and they need to just tackle better. I think if they had just tackled better, the scheme against Oregon would have worked better. <laughs> I know as it's crazy to say that, but there was many a drive that I feel like they could have gotten off the field if they had tackled. So that final drive, actually, before halftime to put them up 24-7, they converted two fourth downs on that drive on the ground. Right. Well, so defensively, I'm just up. like, yeah, defensively, I'm just like, can we tackle and can we get healthy? Offensively, better. Worried defensively or offensively. I'm worried about the run game in particular. That is, um, that's a problem. I, I expected it against Baylor. I did not expect that against Oregon. Yeah, I don't understand with how great our offensive line is. Why we're struggling to create holes? I don't either. Brooks. I don't either. Some people are like, "Oh, Brooks is no Algier." I'm like, Brooks is. Brooks is. There's not been the holes for Brooks this year like there were last year for Algier. I. I other than a South Florida game, has there been a time that he's been able to get through the line of scrimmage untouched before he gets to the second level? Because I can't think of one time. No. I think Katoa's had a couple of those, but nothing from Brooks. So I'm not worried about the running backs. Uh, I am worried about the running game. And I wonder with Holker leaving if it makes it a little easier. What I mean by that is Holker and Rex, both of them are not above average blocking tight ends. Right. They're not. We we haven't had a great run blocking tight end since gosh, I don't even know. Who was the last one? George? I don't know. <laughs> maybe George. I mean honestly. Or maybe some of the guys in the um in the middle Bronco era that were never getting the ball, but I thought right. they blocked like an Austin Holt or uh Devin Mahina. Like No, don't you dare speak his name. He can't block Missed the block you're on right, the side you're of right. the field Devin, goal. You're right. Devin Mayena can't block. You're right. <laughs> no disrespect, but dang, man, that's so frustrating. Anyway, sorry. That's a good point. I uh, Thank you for calling me out on that. <laughs> now that you only have one true pass-catching tight end that you feel comfortable playing in Isaac Rex, can you get Mason Wake involved more as a blocker from the tight end spot and also work in Houston Hamuli as a fullback? I'm like, maybe that helps with the run game if you put two more fullbacks on the field. That was one of my first thoughts when I saw the Holker stuff is that Mason Wake's going to have a bigger role, whether it's blocking or catching a few more balls. I do think that this will open things up for him. And, yeah, I agree. I don't think Holker or Rex are stellar blockers at all. So if we can get a couple more big bodies in there, 
that understand blocking or get out. I think this will open things up. I, we've got two games here in a row where we can really establish the run and get some momentum going. So I really I'm, want I'm to hopeful see for that. Mooley on the field, man. I just Wake is a good player, but Wake has been more productive as a fullback than he was a, as a tight end. And now, because of the circumstance, you can't move into fullback because you need him at tight end. But luckily for you, Houston Hamuli walked onto the team, and he was a dang good blocking fullback at Stanford. There's got to be a way to utilize that skill set somehow, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I I would not be shocked if we see both of them a bunch in the Wyoming game. Let's end on this with the Wyoming game. We don't need to break down Wyoming all that much. I think BYU's better. They should win. What are two or three things that you want to see happen against Wyoming that would make you feel better going forward about BYU after that loss? Uh, I think we've been talking about it, controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides and establishing the run. Uh, we don't. It doesn't need to be, you know, BYU versus Texas establishing the run, but just a really solid run game get Brooks going, and just on both sides of the ball, we are controlling the line of scrimmage. I like that. I have three things that I want to see. Number one, I want to see Houston Amuli worked in at the fullback position. I just feel like they need help blocking in the run game. Let's get him on the field. Or Mason Wake, I don't care. I just we just have not seen hardly any fullback used at all this year, and I thought that was actually very beneficial in 2020 when Wake played a lot of fullback with Rex at tight end. We've seen it before. Holker wasn't around; he was on his mission. So we've seen that combination before. Let's bring it back. I, let's see. Let's see what it can be done. Number two. We got to see a kicker put one through the uprights in a field goal situation. That has to be remedied if BYU wants any chance of doing anything special. Because I feel like there will be a game where a kicker is called upon again. And it may be a game, it, it may be a situation where it's win or lose. And you need to be able to trust someone because there's no trust with Olroy that right now. Good, good news for him. I feel like there's two games here where the pressure is not as high. Can he get it back? Can he get the confidence back? And if he can't, they got to move on. So. Has there been any it. talks of moving on, though? Is that, is that, yeah, like, is yeah. that this, a real this week, this week was a full-blown open competition for the kicker spot. So, um, I think that's as close to saying we're moving on as, as you pr- probably would. If they had a better kicker behind him, they probably would move on. But I still think Jake is the best kicker. He just needs some help. He needs to get out of the, he needs to get out of the funk. So, I want to see that happen. Either I want to see him get benched, but I want, to, I want to see something happen in the Wyoming game, right? One way or another. Yeah. Get yeah, one to I go agree. through so we feel better, or you miss one and you get benched in the middle of the game. Either one of those yeah. I want to see. I completely agree. I want, I want to see some turnovers, man. Our, our defense the past couple of years has not been good enough at forcing t- uh, takeovers. And this is a type of team that can, – like, can we force a forced fumble? feels like with the Utah game, the last time we forced a fumble. I just – man, yeah. I want to see some turnovers, dude. So th- those are the three things that I'm really going to be paying attention to. 
I think those are great. I think if those happen, we win the game easily. Yeah. So. I agree. All right. Well, maybe we'll see you there. Maybe I won't. But um, crazy week with the Holker news. Uh, uh, that definitely overshadows the loss. And I think it uh, overshadows the upcoming game. It's just uh, it's a unique thing. I can't remember the last time it's ever happened to BYU. Middle of the year. The one thing it doesn't overshadow is us missing Dave on this podcast. So You're right. Good point. His presence was missed. Dave, no more excuses. Next week or next time you're here. I love it, Jordan. All right, man. I'll, I'll see you bright and early at the gym, right? Yep. we Will do. See you, man. Love it. Have a good night, dude. See you.